0: You can contact Casey at casey.burns at primelending.com, reach him by phone at 919-710-1864. You can also check out all his reviews at www.closewithcasey.com. Thanks, y'all. We're live. We're live. We're doing it live. So anything you say now, Carter's going to get to hear. So if you got any little sweet messages to send him, just, just go ahead and do that now what's going on everybody welcome back to everybody's favorite time of the month it's when the fish lift eat boys get to take over the podcast um my name's casey i'll be your host again today and joining me as always whenever we get to talk all things fishing is john hatton himself what's going on john what's going on casey how are you been bud good man just glad to be back on here for for another round of of good times with y'all Hell yeah! And who do we have today as a guest? So we got joining us today, Mr. Keenan, Hunt Lift Eight team member. Go ahead and introduce yourself, to everybody. Keenan.
1: Hey guys, what, what's going on? Thanks for having me. I'm, I've been uh, waiting for
2: oh, almost over a week and a half to be here, and I've been itching, and I'm <laughs> glad to get going. All right, so Keenan, tell us a little about where you're from. What kind of fishing? How'd you get into fishing originally? Um, so i i'm from belleville
1: ontario uh i got into fishing because of my papa and dad uh pretty much from the age i could hold, hold a fishing rod i was uh i was out on the boat with my dad or papa they were uh pretty good uh idols i still look up to to my dad to this day my papa and my dad are my idols it's uh Hunting and fishing, everything I know to, to this day, it's because of my papa and my dad, and also oh, yeah. some also some other family members, like the the entire Levine family. Like, it's we're huge outdoorsmen, but uh, but yeah, that's pretty much how I got into to fishing. Was just starting off at, at a young age, from like from when I could hold a rod to now it's it's awesome i i enjoy it every time I, I enjoy my time out there yeah all right
2: uh, what type of uh fish do you usually target and what kind of uh seasons do you usually go for uh usually if i can get out it's usually for
1: like to, just for fun for a couple of hours it's bass and and pike just offshore or or in my canoe but uh my my favorite species i'd say is probably trout by far.
0: So when I, you're talking uh, bass, are we t- are we talking smallmouth or largemouth?
1: Uh, large and smallmouth. Okay. Yeah, we, we we have both those, but uh, yeah, Lakers Lakers are probably my favorite, and probably Splake, where we fish in Agawam Park. They're like a they're like a hybrid between the Lake Trout and spe- speckle Trout, so they're they're pretty neat fish, that's for sure
0: so i think the the hot topic that we're going to try to you know address today you know um and we're we'll, we'll get into the specifics of it but is on homemade lures you know whether that be you know flies painted lures you know maybe we we can talk about homemade lures that kind of pertain to to each one of our our styles of fishing and how we utilize those um you want to kick it off Kenan? what a uh, I think you've probably got the, uh, got the upper hand on us here on, on homemade lures. So once you go ahead and dive into, um, you know, in, into just into what you got, man, I know with your worm harness and everything else, um, go ahead and, you know, you plug the story that we've got on the, on the Huntless website, you know, so that people can make sure they go check that out and see what it's all about and how they can support you with it. All
1: right. Yeah. So pr- pretty much it's, uh, I always use like a 12 pound test and, uh, Normally for walleye and bass or pike, I, I normally use uh, a double a double hook. Like I just put two hooks and I just tie it on. But for trout, it's a smaller. So for I I should probably get into more depth. So for my bass and walleye and pike, I use a number one hook, barbed. And for my trout lures, because they for a smaller hook, I use like a number three or four, and then. Normally for like walleye and bass, I use beads Oh, I use beads for both, but like for walleye and bass, I use green or yellow or orange and I mix them up with a spinner and a clevis and then I tie it on so they could attach it to like a a leader or whatever the person wants when, when they order one from me and for trout, same thing, but it's just a single hook and I usually use like white and blue for my trout lures. And the length too. I normally like to uh for trout and for trout I usually from from the spinner it's about maybe a foot so you can attach to the leader. For walleye I usually like to make it a little bit longer because people usually troll for walleye instead of casting. Yep. So I usually make it of about foot and a half to two feet. I, I try to aim for. Like they're always different lengths because when I cut them with the scissors it's it's pretty hard to tell when you're tying the knot by the end of it and cutting all the access line off. Sometimes it'll have to be like, okay, centimeter longer than the rest of them, but whatever.
0: Won't hurt. So I'm going to be the dumb Southern bass fisherman here for a minute. And I know, um, I know there's a few others um, that are going to be thinking this, but can you go into the, to a little bit of detail and explain to us what a worm harness is and you know, what you're trying to achieve with it? Just cause that, that's a, that's a term that is foreign to me. You know, I'm I'm a huge tackle junkie and stuff, but um I'm I'm not familiar I mean, just by kinda of how you just described some things, I kinda of got a little picture in my head about it. But I think a lot of our listeners would um could really benefit from just, you know, give us the kinder- the, the kindergarten version of uh, of what a worm harness is.
1: All right, yeah. So it's so I I just start off with I just unravel the line, cut it, I grab a hook, I put it through like the, the little eye of, of the hook. And then I wrap it three or four times and I grab the other end of the line and I put it through the opposite way from the line, went in to wrap it. Then I grab another hook, do it, put it through the eye, I wrap it, same thing, put it through the eye the opposite way. Then there'll be a little bit of access line on the first hook, I cut it off. Then, example, you guys say you guys want green and yellow beads, I put, Depending six to eight, sometimes 10, depending on how big the, the blade is. I usually do, sometimes I do like yellow green, yellow green beads. Sometimes I do two yellow, one green, and two yellow until I'm done. Then I, a clevis has like these two little holes. It's like a C shape. And I grab the spinner blade and I put it through the spinner blade, like the eye of the spinner blade. And I put the, I grab the, the other end of the line that doesn't have the hooks on it. And I, and I shove it through the two little eyes on the clevis, which is the C. And I put it through, slide it down, and then I put another bead on top of the clevis. So it acts like a kind of it'll kind of look like a like a bug head almost. And then it pretty much looks like a I don't know, kind of like a larger version of a mayfly or sometimes a prey mantis kind of body, depending on how many beads I put on it. And then I just tie a loop to it. And then it attaches to any
2: uh, leader, pretty much. Or if you tie a line like that, yeah. So uh, for everyone that's just listening, the um, article to this will be posted uh, with the podcast. But you can also find Keenan on Instagram uh, where he has a lot of photos of these. But Essentially, it's it's a main hook with a trailer hook and then essentially an attractant. Uh, the beads and the spinner kind of provide that body flash combo. Um, now, how would you rig this personally and fish it? Uh, how, I, how I normally use it, I
1: just pretty much put it. When, if, if I'm using it personally, I'll hang it off the edge of the boat. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll, and I'll just open the barrel and I'll just speed the motor up. And I'll just let as many much line out as I can. And I'll just slow down to my trolling speed. And then when it tightens... I close it and I just troll. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's pretty much it. Unless it's the trout ones and I make them shorter so people can cast.
2: If, okay. if they want to let it towards shore. Now how how does your um, access up in up in Belleville? How far out do you guys are you in the, the was it the Bay of Kinty? Am I pronouncing that right? The the Bay of Queenie. Yeah, Quinny. Okay, now do you do you ever bring these out on the big lake, or is it kind of bay fishing, bank fishing? Um, what kind of what kind of environment are you throwing these things out in?
1: Uh, I've never used them personally on the bay, of Quinny. I usually go up to my grandmother's, which mm-hmm. is like the the, the Gawka Park area where I grew up. But okay. uh, I have had some guys order them for walleye, and I've had some guys come back and ask me for some more because they, after a while, they they snap right. Yep, Especially in, in the Bay of Queenie, because we're known for like 10 to like 30 pound walleye and trout. But uh, yeah, so I normally use them in like rocky areas up, up north to, at my grandmother's. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, it's usually rocky. There's some weeded areas, but he, it, it just depends on what part of the lake we're fishing. If we're fishing the bigger part, it's, uh, it's rocky. And if we're fishing the right hand side of the, the lake, it's uh, mostly weedy. Like, like yeah. we call it, like we we call it mud bay because it's it's kind of like like beach and mud, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of weeds, and
2: then there's like yeah. a dark area. That's where we catch the walleye, but it's like rock. Okay. So. Yeah, it was a uh, we were in a little group chat before me, um, Casey and uh, Carter. I was explaining to them what a worm harness is and how walleye generally is school up on those those rocky outcrops, usually around yeah. some type of. Um, cliff or some type of underwater there needs to be some type of break and usually the the terrain of the actual underlying subsurface but that's where they're they'll just hole up as as a big school and you once you find them on your fish finder you're like yeah we're doing laps through this thing and uh a little more familiar with these I i don't do a whole lot of walleye fishing but i'm from buffalo i mean lake erie is one of the best known walleye fisheries in the world and a lot of these things are similar and even, you know, some of the styles of flies that I use for steelhead are kind of based off these types of patterns and attractors and even small trout, whether it's their lake, you know, lake trout or in the, in the creeks and the rivers, you can, you can kind of adapt this type of rig to just about any situation that you find yourself in with these fish.
1: Yeah. I, uh, yeah. So like, like you were saying about like the dark rocky areas, that's why I like to use like the like the bright like blaze orange beads or like the neon yellow and green, so it's easier to for the fish to see, obviously. But I also make them in I also have beads that glow in the dark. Yeah. Also, that I sometimes right. somebody asks like if because there there is some guys who only go out up north and fish the lake at night. Yeah. so so they the right. yeah so they'll, they'll they'll still troll but like mm-hmm. they'll have to like shine a light on it before they cast it out and troll and it pretty much close right
2: and uh, for case that's that's a big kind of summertime walleye fishing when they're they're not things kind of get chunked into that that post uh, post winter where everything's getting ready for spawning and they start coming back alive. And then you have the summer where everything's trying to avoid the heat. And then the fall when they can start going back into the shallows because the water times yeah. start dropping. And something else gets sucked into to their fall spawn. But um, even in Lake Erie, the, the nighttime walleye fishing is usually the spot to go. And even even trolling for Lake Ontario salmon, uh, you know, as, as they start staging for the rivers in late August, early September, that, that nighttime is a great time to do it, to troll for them. Yeah, like we we only go out from like
1: before the sun is like sunrise till about like eight, and then we go back out after supper till dark. Because from that eight to like three in the afternoon, you're pretty much just fishing just to catch a buzz and and a sunburn. So there's really no point
0: being out there for them.
2: (laughs) Now, uh, 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 go
0: ahead, Casey. Now, I was just going to ask I mean, I know we, we talked a little bit about how you got into fishing um, in general, you know, family and just kind of kind of grew up in the lifestyle. And but um, where at in that in that timeline did you start um, did you start making your own your own lures?
1: Uh probably about the age of 14, 15, when I started being able to like get my own job and start like paying to mm-hmm. to like buy like the beads and the clevises and the spinners and the hooks and the fishing line so yeah that's pretty much it from like 12 to about 14 15 i just helped my papa like if he broke one i just remake it for him especially once he started getting older from working out in the bush because he he did forestry so he started getting like the arthritis in his hands so when he started getting older that's when he gets frustrated and i just take over for him but yeah, yeah, I'd say around the age of 14, 15 is when I started making them and then family friends started buying them, like I said earlier. And then I can't re- really remember who, but somebody told me to put them on Facebook marketplace and it actually worked. Like I usually get a like message or two and they're not even small orders. They're like 10 to 15. Like I had a guy last week ask me to make them 30, but right now I can't because I have to make 500 or more for my outdoor show coming up in june so (laughs) nothing nothing wrong with having a little backlog of uh inventory yeah so so i i i have a little book upstairs and i have a like his name and his contact info so after the show i'll shoot him a facebook message or a text and tell him I, i could get his order ready
2: yeah now uh let's let's wind it back even a little bit more how did your um Your grandpa get into you know fishing and tying his own lures back in the day is is he filled you in on that one
1: uh no he never really told me how he he got into it um but knowing my papa it was probably that man could pretty much do anything like yeah woodworking fix something pretty much he's pretty much macgyver but for like the outdoor version Oh, pretty yeah. much so it wouldn't surprise me if one day he found these beads and hook and we're like oh i i, I broke this worm harness i'm gonna to try to fix it myself
2: and just started doing it himself now i see on your on your instagram fo- uh photos too or the photos that you put up on the blog that you do a lot of salmon fishing are you using a similar rig that you have here or do you tailor something else towards the salmon uh, for salmon, I
1: usually go out with my buddies on, on a fishing charter. So they use like the floaters and the spoons for those. Yeah, that's the only time I don't use my worm harnesses. Is on charters because they they supply you with the stuff, right? Like your like yep. their own rods and stuff. So
2: I don't have to worry about that. Okay. Now, have you ever run um, the worm harnesses off on any type of uh, running boards or? Any any kind of trolling setup other than just kind of having the rod over the side of the boat? Uh, uh, I I have used them on a cannonball,
0: okay. like a downrigger. Yep.
1: Yeah. There's only one lake I've done that on, and it's in the heart of Vagalquin. But yep. uh, I have used it on cannonballs before, and they do work. They uh, do? But in that lake, my family swears by the blue and silver uh, Rapala minnow.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So... They usually use that, but sometimes I'm like, "Okay, hey, well, you guys can do that." I kind of want to use my blue and my—I call it a Toronto Maple Leaf spinner worm harness. <laughs> <laughs> good colors, good team. Oh yeah, die hard. All right, So, so the die on hard the on end. the
0: topic of like the so on like the topic of homemade lures and you know tying around stuff, John, does do, uh, do you tie any of your own flies and stuff? That was your Keenan, right? No, I mean, I mean, we I think we got a pretty good idea, you know, about Kenan's lure tying stuff. So I was wondering, is that something that that you utilize as well? Do you do? Do you tie your own lures? Oh yeah, I mean, tie I, your flies? I, have,
2: I have bought probably a, maybe ten flies in the last ten years. Most of my flies that I, I fish are uh, usually a product of guiding, so they're they're usually a little simpler to tie. They don't look the prettiest, but they're effective. They kind of hit hit the big check marks for what a good fly Um, that's an effective fishing tool Um, works just because as much as I do love tying, I have been tying for probably since high school, so almost 20 years now. And it's just, it's fun, but it does get repetitive after a while. And you can only put the spin on so many good creative patterns that that just work. And and sometimes I'll have a little fun with it and we'll put some flair or try a little different spin on something. Uh, But for the most part, most of the box is just filled up with things that'll produce all season long. Yeah. So I will um, usually tie a bunch in the fall and hope that they last the whole season. And this time of year, it's, it's a pretty simple game. I mean, you just really run eggs and bait fish patterns and you, you, the fish get so aggressive after the spawn that you don't really need anything crazier than that. Um, yeah. And I have so many tied up from the years that I didn't get to use them that the boxes are overfilled. I actually go out and, like, purposely snag rocks and logs and fish like an asshole just because I'm like, I need an excuse to refill the box. so I don't mind losing a few more than normal. I gotcha. And do you use, like... Like how
1: how do you, do you use like pheasant feathers or like or like deer tails
2: when you tie your flies? Um, yes. There's. Let's see. Most of the the tying material game for flies and fly fishing has really taken a weird turn in the last five years. A lot of it was natural feathers and. I mean, you name it, turkey quills, pheasant tails, you know, wood duck feathers. It it was a very old school kind of traditional material game. But the last five to 10 years, you've had a ton of artificial uh, and synthetic fibers and materials that come out that just kill anything that's natural in terms of effectiveness, in terms of kind of getting the bulky feel to a fly without having the the actual bulk that makes it hard to cast all day or doesn't make it a viable um, kind of product that you can bring to market uh, in terms of just they've they've had a weird supply side issue too, where a lot of the feathers became whatever endangered, um, you know, came from endangered species or hard to get to species. And a lot of the material makers have, have really done a good job in creating synthetic products that just, just outperform and they're way cheaper. They're way more durable. And most of what I use is um, some type of synthetic braid. I'll use a lot of rabbit fur though. Uh, Rabbit fur that's still on a hide. It comes out in these little strips, which are right here. So it'll be the hide still on, but it's maybe a quarter inch wide and man when this stuff gets wet i mean it's just it flows like a it's it's perfect so i'll i'll go through a lot of that um but other than that it's a lot of yarn and a lot of um kind of synthetic flashy fibers that that do mimic a lot of the flies or the lures that you tie um just a little bit smaller cuz i'm i'm mostly river fishing i usually fish from when the steelhead come in in, in september october through may i might hit um some of the big water for bass or salmon. Um, but most of my fishing is, you know, traditional fly fishing in the rivers when the fish are up here.
1: Sweet. Yeah. No, I, I was only asking cause uh, my hunting instructor, uh, after he passed me, he said, if I ever shoot a deer to, to keep the tail. So yep. when I shot my first one in 2012, I did. And yep. uh, he, he was supposed to show me and uh, I, I think I spent one day with him doing it. I never got to do one, and mm-hmm. then because I told because he knew I, I made my worm harnesses, and uh, I wanted to get into tying flies. He told me the the flies are pretty much done for, and people don't use them, especially in this area. Because so I just never got into it, but uh, I I have thought about starting off uh, like Cabela's. They have like this kit. I yeah. thought about going to Cabela's and buying the kit, but uh, Cabela's kits
2: they're actually pretty good. There's um... are they. Orvis has a good one too. It has enough of the broad materials and and I mean fly tying its itself isn't you know a, a very difficult thing to do, but it's it's just one of those things where you just need to crank out a ton of shitty flies, and then you're like, all right, now I figure I finally understand the techniques and how to wrap it, how to make the materials look good and sit right. And it doesn't take me twenty minutes for a fly that I just threw in the tree behind me, yeah, <laughs> and immediately broke my leader off, and and now now the whole day's ruined. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's similar to creating the the worm rigs and the worm lures, where you just have this repetitive process that you know you you, know, you can do it blindfolded in your sleep. Um, but for anyone that's interested in getting into fly tying, any listeners, th- those kits are generally pretty good. Um, you know, you're not going to get it generally they're kind of tailored towards a specific type of pattern that you can tie. Um, you you're, you're a little limited, but they're great materials and great setups for just banging out a bunch of, you know, and I've caught some of the biggest fish that I've ever caught on some of the worst looking flies that came off my vice. We are like, this isn't going to catch shit. I'm going to throw it in the box because I don't want to waste a hook. But you know, I brought it out to a river and I'm just like, Hey, let's throw this on the fish are pretty active today this might work and lo and behold you catch some of the bigger salmon or some of the bigger steelhead just because you know the, the details look good to us as humans but they don't really the fish don't really care when they're floating through the river when they're in a competitive or you know spawning type
0: scenario so I got a question yeah. I want both of yeah, y'all maybe, to take a stab it makes at sense. It. go ahead Casey right. so what is it, you know, to say somebody's new just getting into fly fishing or, or walleye fishing or, you know, in whatever your respective field is. what How would you explain to them, like, what, what is the benefit to using a homemade type lure as opposed to just going to, you know, Academy or Bass Pro or whatever and getting a, getting a variety set, that, you know, pre-tied stuff?
2: Ken, I'll let you take the stab at that one first because I'll probably have a similar answer to you. Oh, oh god um I, to be honest i'm
1: gonna have to think about that one for a sec but uh <laughs> yeah i have at the top of my head right now i have no idea so if you want to take over john and oh, i'll think
2: of it
0: so of i'll give you
1: my
2: personal experience was i got into fly fishing when i was in ninth grade i think 10th grade so i was a, you know beyond broke i got a paper route but other than that, like. Most people will go into a sporting goods store and see a fly be anywhere between two and $4 per, um, which doesn't sound like a lot of, a, it's, you know, just a single co- unit cost. But when, when you're talking, I probably have a thousand flies in my box and in my bag in the truck right now. So slap an average price tag of three bucks on each one. And if I'm starting to lose them, you know, because usually when you're, getting into fly fishing, you're going to suck too. You're going to suck at casting. You're going to not really understand how to get around the log jam that's holding the fish or the big rocks that the fish are stacked up behind. You're not really going to understand the back cast and you're going to be catching trees and a whole bunch of shit behind you. So you do go through quite a bit of flies. Uh, so for me getting into fly tying was just kind of, okay, I can get into it at a cheaper level. I can, I can, turn out a bunch of woolly buggers off this, this vice. And when I can go, I can fish a little bit more aggressively now, because I know these flies are really, you know, five, 10 cents a pop instead of two or $3 that I'm throwing into a tree every time. So for me, at least that, that was the, the mentality. And then you kind of have this, this symbolism between fly fishing and archery in that kind of fishing hunting world where, It's a little bit more intimate and it's kind of the spirit of the sport to go that extra mile to learn how to, not without sounding like a complete snob, because I'll go to Colorado and I'll buy a ton of flies at this point where I'm just not looking to hanker myself onto a voice, learn a new pattern for a specific hatch or a specific fly that Colorado rivers might have. Like I'll just go buy the dozen that I need for the day or the weekend. Um, but it, I think it brings that sport and the respect for it just a little bit further when you have that intimate connection. And I'll tell you, I mean, buying a, catching a fish with a fly that you, it's kind of like Casey, I'm sure you can relate to this too. I mean, catching that fish, the, that you just bought the lure off the shelf and then catching it, a different fish with a, a lure that you actually crafted. And it's, it's a lot more satisfying. I'm like, man, I fooled this wild animal into thinking this was food. And I, I made this like this came out of my creative mind and a little bit of satisfaction on that and a little bit of cost saving. Uh, the irony is I spent way more on fly tying materials than I've ever saved, <laughs> but that's just kind of the fun of like getting into fly tying. You're like, oh, I want to tie this, I want to tie that, I want to make this type of lure. So I'm gonna go buy all these five materials that are a hundred bucks. <laughs> I right. could have just bought flies instead. <laughs> i think that's a long one in there, so i don't know if keenan has got anything to add to that one
0: well Keenan, you need to take a good stab at this man this this is your marketing moment you're the only one of the three right here that is selling the lures you're making i mean i've got a lineup over here of you know some crankbaits and jerk bait stuff that i paint over here but shoot i just paint them whenever it's four degrees and it's too cold to go fishing and that way i can at least feel like i'm you know getting to scratch my fishing itch a little bit there so come on man yeah. lay it on us why Why do we need Kenan's worm harnesses as opposed to going and you know just buying one off I don't know I, like Tackle Warehouse is my go to but like Tackle Warehouse or Bass Pro or wherever sells whatever big box store sells worm harnesses what makes yours better well
1: pretty much like what John said with his flies but uh, like I was like at- cabela's in ottawa this weekend and uh for a worm harness it was like five to six dollars and i usually buy a kit of a thousand beads so like 10 different colors so 100 beads each color for for the price of that one lure so and i only use like six to like 10 beads per lure so By the time it's done with the spinner, the beads, and the hooks, I sell mine for three dollars a pop. So
2: you hear that everyone?
1: Three fucking dollars. Yeah, so you're so you're you're pretty much saving on that, and not everywhere has a Cabela's, so plus you gotta pay for shipping and stuff to get it to your front door. Instead of such a good deal. I'm gonna buy some even though we don't
0: have any walla. (laughs)
2: <laughs> but you could use them for you can use them for bass too, there, Casey. And don't trout. sleep on that. Don't sleep on that. You got you do have some uh, you got some little trout up in that DeLonga area. I know, I know your your North Georgia waters. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> plenty of them.
0: We trout. chase trout everywhere. I just I don't get after them as much as as I once did. That's when I, yeah. I used to live on up in the mountains a little bit more, and then tournament fishing got a hold of my soul, and it hadn't let go yet. Yep.
2: Yeah, but you know, to kind of su- summarize that whole question, it, it is usually a cost saving and um, a, a durability thing at the end of the day cuz the a lot of the big box stores the flies that they get they're usually cheap quality, cheap materials, they don't last a fish or two. So you're paying for a bad product anyway and you're overpaying for it. So, you know, even even with Keenan's lures, you're you're supporting, you know, a proven product that's actually known to catch fish and tied by someone who would fish them and runs them himself, which means they're durable. They're good quality, good quality hooks, good quality materials. They're going to last you as long as, you know, you don't snag up and hook a rock because that happens too. But even if you do, you're only spending $3 on it. You're not spending five. Yeah. Like
1: I've even had, had some guys tell me that, uh, like the, like the loop that I tie at, at the end, like if they cast, like on the first cast, it just lets go. If they message me, I'll be like, which one was it? Double hook, single hook, I'll send you a new one. Or if they tell me they, they got snagged and when they take it out, it's like tied super tight to the lead, uh, to the leader so they can't get it off. Like I've had that happen sometimes or sometimes the the first hook that I tied on breaks off and they only have the second one. They still use it, but I was like, do you want another one? Some guys say yeah, some guys say no. But I, I usually ship it to them for free make them a new one because it's like six to ten beads, two hooks, and a clevis and a spinner is maybe $2 out of my pocket when I could get a kit for $20 yeah. to make like 100 of them. So it's not hurting my bank account, that's for sure.
2: That's good. It's a good customer service. Good durability, good quality. What more can you ask for, people? Let's go order some stuff now. Everybody what, go uh, order 50. <laughs> what? I'm gonna give you a bulk order. <laughs> Keep you busy.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's, you're gonna be waiting until after June for that one because my yeah. outdoor show. So,
0: yeah, this gonna be the, the show. Y'all bombard his inbox. Fine by uh, me. Do you,
2: is, do you strictly troll these? Do you do you jig them? Do you ice fish with them at all? Uh, what other kind of you know, use cases can, can people expect out of these things? Uh, personally, I only troll with them
1: or a cast towards shore and reel it from shore and back. But, uh, I have had a buddy up and up North in Sturgeon. He, uh, tried one out in ice fishing. I didn't think it'd work. Cause it didn't have the spinning motion, but, uh, they said they, they caught a couple jumbo perch on them in North Bay. So, Obviously they were. I haven't tried them personally myself. I wouldn't think they work because there's really no movement. They're just beads floating there.
2: Yeah. But
1: trolling and casting towards shore is my go-to for them, anyways.
0: Yeah, you know, John, you you made a comment when you were talking about you know when you're tying your lures or you're tying your flies, and you know sometimes you'll try a little little subtle differences, just you know, just to see if it works. It made me think of this this little jerk bait that I had laying right here. I showed y'all. You know, that there's absolutely nothing in the waters of North Georgia that looks like that. You know, there's no, you know, for our listeners, it's it's basically just a, um, you know, it's a junior size um, jerkbait, you know, white body, and it's got a, uh, like a color shift orange back shad pattern. Man, I just got bored as crap one night, and I just really like that color paint. So I painted it and dude, I took it to the lake like the first chance I got and it like it's chewed all to pieces. It's it's unreal. Like it's stupid. There's absolutely no reason a fish should bite this. But you know, there's I guess, you know, you we, you could write it off as just, hey, they've never seen anything like that, or you know, they were just eating anything that moved, I don't know. But but like I said, there's there, you you can go through every every list of bait fish and you will not find anything like that. But this little bear here probably has 50 to 60 bass. Just, just munched it ever since I painted it. And yeah, I don't know. I've never had the balls to go throw it in the tournament, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I've never, yeah, I've, like I've, I've actually never used a, I've never used any of the lures that I've painted. in the tournament.
2: Well, <laughs> No. I love going out there. I love throwing them because I'll, I'll tie A bunch of stuff that works, right? The egg patterns, the the bait fish patterns, but then there's a whole subclass of steelhead and salmon fishing um, and the flies called intruders. And that's kind of like where the creative – you're not really imitating anything, but you're trying to get this big bulky – could be anywhere from two to four or five inches long. You're just trying to get this big attractive material (laughs) through the water column. And see what the aggressive fish are going to want, and sometimes it's the weirdest thing that they key in on. It's the weirdest color combination that you are like, this doesn't look like anything that you know nature produces, <laughs> but the, they, but
1: the they fish crush it. it,
2: they slam it, and, and it's a, and then you are like, all right, well, I didn't you know expect that one to work, but shit, it held up, it it fished well, and that's where it's that's where it's fun, the fly tying, the lure making you do get to just be creative and it's usually the things that you're like, this has no shot in catching fish. <laughs> and they are the best ones in the box. Yeah, I I've actually uh,
1: find that if it's something that the fish aren't used to seeing, they actually attack it more than like a black fly on the water. If it's like something ugly that they've never seen before, they're interested in it. It's It's weird how that works. I've noticed that too.
0: Ken, what's the what's the wildest one off lure you've done? Oh, yeah. Whenever you did it, you just laughed at it. So, yeah, so like a
1: a worm harness, but uh, it was all see through beads, like the white, like you could see the fishing line through it, and then, (laughs) and I just threw on like a half black, half white spinner with a see through head bead. And I was like, Wh- "Whatever, I'll try it." I doubt I'll catch anything. And like, like you guys were saying, I think that lures to this day. I I lost it a couple of years ago, but to this day, I think I caught more fish on that than I have with all my other worm harnesses I've used together. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I I've that. I I honestly don't know what made me do it. I was I had my box just sitting there with all my different colors, and I had six see-through beads i was like i'm never going to use these but i'll throw them on one so i did and i was like oh well this is the closest spinner to matching this ugly ass worm harness. i'll waste that one too and i tried it out in it to this day probably one of my best ones i made
2: now now you get to this this will be a setup for some bragging rights uh like i say what the what's the biggest fish you caught with them Maybe the story is the same. What's the most memorable fish you've caught on your own I didn't catch it, but my brother used one of mine, and he caught
1: a pretty decent-sized splake, and we poured five kilometers to that lake. And uh, surprisingly, the biggest splake, like, my cousin, my brother, and I have seen out of that lake, and he caught it using that. Like, normally we What'd just you do see- lake? What's that? What
2: would you do to the lake? We portage to it. We we portage to it. Okay. Yeah, you have to explain that to some of our uh, oh, our okay. southern, southern, southern bass fishermen. Okay, so Casey, that means there's no boat ramp that you get to just walk, drive up to.
1: Yeah, but so got it. Portaging portaging usually means there's a parking lot, and if you have a canoe, you carry it on your back and you go. But we we didn't use it. We just fished off land that day, and it was all uphill. We got there at four a.m. We got there at like five thirty. And we normally use bobbers with a with a shiner minnow.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: we were just getting bored. We weren't getting anything. So we started using like mEPS and Panther Martins. And my brother pulls out this ugly ass worm harness and casts it. First cast, he catches like a seven pound splake. We've never it, seen yeah. we've never seen a seven pound splake before until that day. Out of that lake, maybe three or four pounds, but this thing was it's like he was waiting there for like the ugliest
2: creature to land <laughs> on this lake, and that's awesome. Man. Yeah, it's not as good as a brother not just some random person that was tagging along for a day of fishing.
1: Yeah, and they, uh, my cousin submitted it to the outdoor magazine two years ago, and they actually, they're actually in the magazine holding holding that
2: splake. Oh no, shit! I'm
1: not in that's the cool. picture because I was the only one that day who didn't catch any fish, but. <laughs> My cousin, <laughs> my cousin uh, Troy, my brother Ryland, and my best friend Ben—they're in it. So my cousin was nice enough to to add in the comment t- photo taken by Keenan Charles Levine, there you go. because I was <laughs> there. <laughs> but but now, now see the
0: way the way you're supposed to say that next time you talk about it is how your buddy caught this just monstrosity of a fish on the worm harness that you made. Well, he did. My my brother That's, okay. did catch. That's how you yeah. got to market it. You can't just say, "Oh, he caught a decent fish on a on a worm harness." Be like, "Hey, he caught a freaking tank on my worm harness."
1: Well, it's the biggest
0: tank. That is
1: why he caught it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks to me, Ryland.
2: Uh, he's I'm the <laughs> reason you,
1: you caught that monster splake. Yeah, Rylan. Record your record splake
2: to the Reach out to the reach out to the magazine and have them edit that.
0: Yeah, I, really. I need to re- revive. Yeah,
2: Give photo credit and lure credit. Yeah. No, but just as a quick inject, everybody go go. uh Keenan, plug plug your worm harness page because you have you do have some really cool photos of some of the um some of the worm harnesses that you have tied up on this. All right. So my worm harness page is k dot c dot l underscore worm harnesses. Perfect. If everyone goes and checks that out, he's got a ton of uh, examples. It's followed by the Hunt Lefty team, um, so it's it's pretty easy to stumble upon. But I mean, you got some pretty cool, cool stuff on here, and you got the stories to back it up and the experience you know, passed through generations to make this a really cool
0: story. So, Keenan, what's, uh, what's the ideal tackle that, that um, people would use for your harnesses? Like, you know, rod, reel, line. What's uh, – what's like I said, dumb southern bass fisherman down here. But uh, what, what, uh, what's the ideal setup? Pretty much a bait caster or,
1: or, or like a normal casting rod or like pretty much anything. Uh, like I haven't, I haven't heard or seen anybody use like the big reel, like the trolling ones yet, but like just a normal rod and reel with, I normally use 12 pound tests on mine on, on my worm harnesses. So I'm not sure what guys use like personally, Brave, when they floral, it, mono. But, uh, I use What's fluoro floral. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I used to use the spider wire, but it was kind of a pain in the ass to tie it compared to the fluoro I found and sometimes it I, I don't know why, but sometimes the spider wire would like okay. break easily as I was tightening it. Like I'd, I'd be just pulling on it and rip and I had to redo the whole lure. so I was like you know what? I'm gonna try a different line and fluorocarbon is probably the best one. Best, best yes, line I've I used, use a lot of and I've, I've, yeah, like I've, use. I've, I've I've used mono
2: also, but fluorocarbon's my go-to. I was having this uh, buddy I fish with from Pennsylvania as a just came to the revelation that fluoro is a, essentially a one-time stretch instrument, where mono can stretch and compress a few times before it really starts getting dull and breaking. <laughs> but he, uh, have you noticed any? issues using fluoro especially on the trailer hook, you know, catching catching the bigger fish, the ones that put you through a good fight. Um, have you if you kind of noticed any issues with that? Uh, actually yeah, I have like the
1: so like the, there's two hooks. The first one I tie is usually the one that breaks off like ways before cuz it gets the okay. most damage. But uh, I find like even personally I find if the first hook goes in the mouth and the second one catches them like in the eye, it takes mm-hmm. the pressure off of the yeah. first hook. So that's helps. But if you just catch, just catch it by the first hook, then usually by maybe the second or third fish to do it, usually you get into the boat and snap. It's like all the way up, you have acts like an inch of access line, you had to cut that off. You're like, whatever. I still have one hook. Yeah. But yeah, I have I have, I have had a couple guys reach out to me and be like, yeah, the first the first line the I mean the first hook broke off. So again, okay, do you want a new one? Yeah, sure, I'll I'll, I'll I could pay for it. Be like, up to you, but I can send you a free one. So or and I've had some guys be like, nah, I'll I'll just use a single hook, and once this one breaks, then you can send me a new one.
0: Perfect. <laughs> Too easy. Works for me, yeah, for sure. I wish all the lure companies would do that, or all you know, all the tackle <laughs> companies that I use. Your boy you're on. rough on some stuff. Like, I would love <laughs> to be able to like keep a running list of like every you know jig head I break off, just you know, every every little tackle malfunction that I have throughout the day, and just like send an email and be like, hey, get me some stuff in the mail. <laughs> Yeah, and one
1: thing thing I I also ask every time I sell a lure also is if you catch a fish, like a monster fish, I want a picture with the fish and the lure. I haven't had anybody send those to me yet, but my buddy up four hours north of me in North Bay said when he goes out on the big lake and he catches a monster, he will send me a picture. So I'm hoping that somebody that buys a lure off me sends me a picture so I can put it on my Instagram instead of just having pictures Can't. of my lures.
0: You got one in four. the magazine. You just didn't get any credit for it.
2: Yeah, I'll buy a couple of these. Uh, I'll use them in the spring season. I'll, I'll, get, I'll get you some photos. Perfect. So you get you some good steelhead, maybe some smallmouth bass that come in the river. These That's things are like. fresh yeah. on the rivers around me. That's what I like to hear.
0: Yep. But not to last his, his trade show. <laughs>
2: I only need like a sample pack. I only need two or three.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I'm pretty sure I could probably do like two or three. There we go. Because I'm, I'm already you can make at, an exception uh... just for you, John. Yeah, exactly. I just, I just
2: need something to get a photo, and then as long uh, as... I, I'll take enough photos of the fish that people have no idea it's the same fish. As as long as I get some some photos with the lure, I'll definitely do that. I got that. Yeah. All right, well, we got uh, – Casey, I mean, what else do you, you want to poke Keen in here with? We're, we're, we're pulling up on an hour right now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, we, it's easy to get carried away with anything like this. I feel like I've been drinking from a fire hydrant hearing you guys talk about all these fish i will got to chase up north. And just it's, you know, a lot of, a lot of new terminology to me. Which I mean, that, that's what I, I I love about getting to do these. And, but now it's, it's just it's uh, you know like the first time we got to sit down and talk. It's just it, it's cool when people that come from different different backgrounds and you know we all we all chase fish in different ways. But at the end of the day, like we're just trying to hook into stuff and, and have a good time with it. And, you know today was a cool highlight that you know of ways that we get to put our hands on the on the lures and the tackle that we get to go out and use in the way to depend on ultimately the things that um that matters the most you know it's what's in front of the fish that we've got to make bite it and uh you know when, when we get to craft things like that whether it be you know like my airbrush lures back here keenan's worm harnesses john's flies or whatever like that's just uh i don't know it, it's just another piece of the big the big puzzle that where we get to have a little bit of input on it that just makes us love the sport that much more so i've, I've enjoyed the chat
2: Oh yeah, me too. And I'm going to talk to someone else who, who can put their passion and creativity into something that, you know, produces results. That's, it's a fun outlet for that. Uh, and and not, not many people really think fishing to be a uh, creative outlet, but I, I think when, you, when you're really getting into that, I'm, I'm designing, you know, the rod I want to use and the matching the line appropriately and then, and then building and and creating your own lures and flies and whatever it is, you you have a very intimate connection with it. And it just kind of brings the whole, the whole sport, the whole act of doing it to just another level where it's just a little bit, a little bit more satisfying every time you get into a fish that, that, you, you know, you designed every, every step of the process when it came to how you put the rod together, how you rigged everything up, how you, the lure that you chose, knowing that you you had a little bit more input into
0: it yeah say even with these like when i see them on the drying rack like it just makes me look forward to getting to go out and you know see what will bite it like you know this little bluegill pattern here on a crankbait it's like i just can't wait to you know this is one of the more recent ones that just uh where the clear coat just finished curing up but you know it's just that that anticipation of you know sitting there watching it on the rack getting it getting it ready just knowing that i'm gonna put some hooks on it and you know, whenever the bluegill start to get up on bed, I know I'm gonna go chunk that thing around and just and see what I can get to bite. Just that anticipation, and you know, not that I need another excuse to get on the water, but I mean, it's something else just to, you know, to, to make that drive even more. Dude, it just puts a little more
2: pep in the step in the morning. Yeah, it's not like oh, I'm yeah. just going. I'm going to work this weekend. It's like I got a mission. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out and I'm gonna tweak this pattern. Uh, and, and make it a little bit better for the next time. It's for like going sure. on check the presents under the Christmas tree every, every <laughs> just gets a little bit better. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm just going to say, yeah, like I've, I agree with you both.
1: Like I just enjoy sitting there uh, just like deciding like what colors I'm going to use today. i like, what spinners. And uh, I just enjoy making them. Even my girlfriend Courtney just enjoys sitting there with me at home sometimes. She just like throwing on the beads, and she'll hand it over to me. I want, I'll, I'll do the hook for her. She'll put the beads in the spinners, and I'll, I'll, I'll tie the loop. She she couldn't help me yet. I have 250 meat out of 500 so far here at work, but that's because I work 12-hour shifts five days a week, so I don't want to bring my kit back and forth. But here at work, <laughs> if I have time, I'll make 20 at a time, take a three-hour break, 20 at a time. So that's what I've been doing for since like mid-January here at work is uh, making lures,
0: I mean, well, I know we uh we already plugged your your Instagram page for your worm harnesses, but I mean, go ahead and hit them that hit them with that again. Let them know where they can find you. um You know, go ahead and just in the, as we wrap up here, mention your article one more time. You know that they can go to go to HuntlessEat dot com and find that. And um, um, you know, ha- let them know how they can support you. You know, if they want to, you know, buy some of these awesome worm harnesses that we've talked about, how can. Uh, how can they get that order into you and just how can the, how can people connect with you?
1: All right. Yeah. So, uh, anybody who's interested in these worm harnesses can, uh, reach me at K underscore worm harnesses on Instagram. Just shoot me a message. I'm always on my phone colors, number of hooks. Yeah. What, whatever you like, uh, if you guys want more info about the hooks, you could go to the Hunt Lift Eat uh, blog page, I guess is what you guys call it, and uh, re- read up on those and how I came up with the idea on making them. But uh, yeah, so Instagram is probably my main way of reaching me. So, like I said, just color beads, spinner, double hook, single hook. Or if you just don't know what you want, just ask me or message me, tell me you want worm harnesses for this type of species. And I can give you my opinion on what type of single double hook and color that you guys
2: should use for that species of fish you guys send me. So. Oh yeah. Appreciate it, Ken. Thanks for your time tonight, man. Yeah. And I hope, uh, hope our listeners enjoyed this podcast and, uh, got a little something out of it and maybe just thought about things a little bit differently, but I hope, uh, you know, they reach out to you and if they got questions. They, uh, he is the man to answer them. Perfect. Thanks guys.
0: Yeah, man. We enjoyed it. And for all our listeners out there, um, you know, whenever you hear anything from these podcasts that you get to get to take out to the water and apply, um, you know, share that with us on Instagram, you know, tag us in your post, tag us in your fish pictures, you know, messages on, um, uh, on the fish lift, eat official, um, Instagram page and, let us, uh, you know, let it, let us share your story and let us share your your photo on our page because, uh, I mean, ultimately that's why we do this. You know, we want we want to share what little bits of experience and knowledge that we we picked up along the way and and let that um you know help you love this sport even more you know like we do. So so please tag us you know send us messages on us and that's at the uh, at fish lift eat official on Instagram and um and also while you're gonna go ahead and check out uh, make sure you check out our hunt lift eat official page as well and the um make sure you're following the the hunt lift eat podcast page you know so that you can stay up to date with everything we've got coming and um, make sure you don't miss any of these but that's gonna wrap it up for today boys you know i've enjoyed it and for all our listeners we can't wait till we can all get back together and um and talk fishing with y'all again so if you got any topics that y'all'd like to hear you know, pass those along to us and we'll make it happen. But we appreciate the hell out of y'all and we'll catch you next time.